0: Hi, I'm Bernard Leung, and you may know me as the executive who explains to you why I've never used a right-hailing app in Southeast Asia. And in my spare time, I want to know why Gojek is taking on Grab from Indonesia to the rest of Southeast Asia. You're listening to Analyze Asia, the weekly podcast dedicated to business technology and media in Asia. And today I have Rama Mamoya, founder and CEO of Daily Social, Indonesia's largest tech news site. Welcome, Rama, and it's great to have you back again. Thanks, Bernard. Glad to be here. We haven't spoken for a while, so since our last conversation, what have you been up to? Yeah, I've been growing the company. I mean, the
1: last time we we talked, like, what, two years ago or something? It's just grown bigger. Just try to be, uh, you know, we're a media company, but we're also trying to be profitable. So we've been profitable for the last four years. Big things in helping our clients, making money, surviving, basically. (laughs)
0: But you're still reporting tech news for the Indonesia startups. I guess Daily Social is just more than just being a news portal, but you also do research and also helping the startups to match up with funding. And you also have your own conferences, events as well, right?
1: Yeah, we don't do big conferences anymore, but I think we have three main businesses. Media business, which still works, at the very beginning. We have research, also sell research to our clients. also publish lots of research for free. So if you want to know more about Indonesia, you know In numbers, you can go to the website and download it for free. So, we have consulting where we help our
0: corporate clients connect with the startup ecosystem and the innovation community. So, recently I saw on your Twitter feed that you have launched a new innovation incubation platform. Can you elaborate on this? Yes, yeah, so one of our clients is one of the largest banks in Indonesia.
1: They they're very strong with SME, they have the largest loan. A lender for SMEs in Indonesia, we are helping the SMEs to grow bigger, 10X we call it, and we use our innovation platform, a web-based and a mobile app platform, to connect with the innovation ecosystem in Jakarta, because in Indonesia is very centralized, everyone is in Jakarta, while the SMEs is spread all across Indonesia, so we want to connect them using the app with the mentors and all the successful people, basically the experts in Jakarta through the app and the platform.
0: And how does this platform work in case if there's any Indonesian startups to get access to mentors and funding or any other services that they may need in order to grow their companies?
1: Yes. So basically you can get, we have three pillars of the, the platform. There's education where you can consume content. If you want to learn more about how to become a better entrepreneur, how to scale, how to fundraise. And this is more than just tech startups, but also conventional SMEs. So we will be talking about this a specific sections about supply chain, finance, you know, the whole thing. That's the first pillar, the education. The second pillar is the mentoring, where you can connect with fellow startups or fellow SMEs, fellow founders and communicate, but also you can communicate with mentors. And also with the third pillar is the research and data where we
0: basically, you can access our vast amount of data that can help you run your business better rama so there's just no change in terms of maybe you have gone bigger with daily social so you're still the harrington plus Om for indonesia right oh that's way too nice (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but (laughs) no those are the great guys but yeah but you're still the default person i will go to to understand the indonesia startup ecosystem and it is actually growing a lot in the past few years of course, there is Gojek, there is Tokopedia, they have all became startup unicorns in one way or another. But overall, how has the startup ecosystem in Indonesia evolved in the past three years? We've went way back, right?
1: So I've been in this industry since 2008. There was not an in- industry to begin with when we first started, but now it's it's one of the largest in in the world i mean we have three unicorns three out of five unicorns in southeast asia from indonesia that says a lot i mean our huge huge population huge market that's a big help for all these companies you know it's basically like china a big market to begin with as long as you dominate the local local market you'll you'll get along just fine with the investors in terms of valuation but yeah i mean grow a lot more and more people has gone. I think back then in 2010, a lot, not a lot of people use smartphone. Not a lot of people use apps. People use smartphone. They don't use they, they use Facebook. They use you know Twitter and all that stuff. But they don't use app for their daily activities, and now that changed radically. Gojek really changed everything. Therefore, other companies such as Tokopedia, Bukalapak, the you know the e-commerce companies, Traveloka, they all get significant help from Gojek in terms of shaping that online behavior of Indonesian market.
0: This is a very timely conversation, and I just didn't realize we have known each other for ten years. Still remember yeah. that echelon <laughs> conference that we first met, and we had that really big this week in Asia podcast uh, discussion, right? (laughs) That's a long time ago, man. Of course, over those years, I also see the rapid rise of the Indonesia startup ecosystem. And of course, today, I wanted you to come on to tell me more about Gojek in Indonesia because they are actually proving to be a significant competitor to grab the right hailing app. or maybe these days they're pivoting themselves to be the super app in Southeast Asia. So I probably wanted to start off into understanding Gojek as a company because they have been funded by very prominent companies like Tencent and Google. And of course, one of the things that's happening in Indonesia is that not just being the battleground for US tech giants, but also the Chinese tech giants. For example, I think Tencent's regional headquarters in Southeast Asia is in Jakarta, not in Singapore which is very interesting. Can you briefly introduce the company Gojek and what is their mission and vision as a company?
1: It started out as a ride-hailing company. Actually, Gojek used to be a call center company. So it started out when Nadim, who was born educated, when he went back to Indonesia, having difficulties going from place one place to another in Jakarta specifically because of the traffic jam and although Ojek back then with the motor ride was very efficient way of getting places it wasn't a comfortable process because you have to negotiate the price and the helmet would be you know it would smell bad and it was all these small things that especially for, for foreign people it, it's not comfortable so he changed that so it started as a customer service company if you called a number back then in two thousand 11 and 12 you call the cs and you know, i want to order a ride from point a to point b the person on the other side of the phone will tell you okay this is how much you have to pay this is the plate number he will pick you up at the you know assigned location and that was it the driver would give you a nice helmet a nice jacket and all that it started out as a very conventional way of doing things and then in 2014 they launched an app to do that basically inspired by uber you know it maybe grab a little bit that uh I'm not even sees this market as you know highly potential for this kind of app because ojek is a very very common thing to see in jakarta it's a very common way of getting places in jakarta so it just brings that behavior online it changed after that uh, the app went wild and uh you know i think think they're like the app is like three years now or four years i don't know i think it's like three years or something three years and they're like what five billion dollars that last valuation. it's been crazy and uh, i think what of the pivotal moments for uh, Gojek was when they launched GoPay, which is the payment infrastructure behind the ride hailing, because that becomes a platform for everything else. They launch GoFood, you where know, you can order food online, you can buy tickets, you can order massage, you can you can shop things. I mean, GoPay is a very uh, pivotal feature. It's a crucial feature for, for GoJek because it puts them in the center of all online activities, the payment. Not far after they launched GoPay, uh, Grab also launched GrabPay. And uh, the GoJek guys was inspired by Alipay, which is very, very huge. And the first iteration of the app reminds me a lot of the Alipay app. I think I, I made an anecdote a
0: few years ago about how similar the, the apps are. But yeah, I mean, it's... It's been crazy for Gojek. What I thought was actually also interesting are the founders behind Gojek. I I would like to you to talk a bit about them. But one thing I do know is that one of the co founders and Anthony Tan of Grab were classmates in Harvard Business School. And it's really interesting because they're both going head to head against each other in the right handling space. Can you talk about them?
1: Yeah, I mean, they were uh, maids in Harvard Business School. I mean, I don't know Nadim that close i know of him but yeah i think it's that case of being inspired you know when when they were starting the companies they were inspired by each other but when Grab expands Indonesia. I, I mean, I heard all these stories about, you know, how one company would try to screw with each other in the uh, early days, but there's no no one could confirm that story. I heard this rumor that once Grab was actually have intention to invest in Gojek, instead of expanding to Indonesia, I would, you know, they would just invest in Gojek. But then Grab raised a lot of money. I think it was their series B or C or something, and then canceled the investment or the cushion for the investment and then just launch in Indonesia and that pissed Wojciech off. And that's just one of the rumors. <laughs> one company is trying to screw with each other. I mean, there's a lot of stories and even hearing them is like, okay, you can basically understand where the, you know, quote unquote, hate, Comes from.
0: So, other than Nadim, who is so far known as the face in front of Gojek, he has been going all across Southeast Asia talking about his vision of Gojek and also trying to attack the other Southeast Asian markets. Are there any key co founders or executives behind Gojek that we should know about in Indonesia?
1: Yeah, I think there's two other people that I think is also make their marks for Gojek's move. The first one would be Andre Solistio, which the the president I think now I think is the president and COO of Gojek. He's one of the smartest guy I think in Indonesia, one of the sharpest guy. Uh, he really led Gojek in terms of strategy with GoPay, uh, you know, payment using it, payment as an infrastructure. The other one would be I think Kevin Aluiz is the co-founder. I think he started out as the first CFO. He started for Zalora Indonesia, and then he joined Nadim. the Left Zalora to help Nadim with Gojek. He's very young, but he's again super sharp, very very smart, very pragmatic, very data-oriented, and uh, he's still there now. He's helping with the uh, international expansion for Gojek. That's basically the early team that I think is crucial for Gojek. But then again, they acquired a few other companies. Midtrans, the founder and CEO of Midtrans, super, super smart guy. And now he's on Gojek's team. Eddie Solistio, which is the CEO of Locket, also acquired by Gojek. Amazing, amazing people. So I think it's it's one of those acquisitions that you know it's going to be an amazing match because these are like some of the smartest people in the country. Very, very young as well, but very progressive,
0: very mature despite their young age. I'm very curious, how does an average Indonesian customer access GoJai? I mean, you talk about the mobile app. When I turn on the mobile app, what kind of services do I expect to see? Because I also know that other than ride hailing and payments, GoJai is also into logistics as well.
1: Yeah, so they have GoSend, which helps you send one item to someone else. But I think the two of the most popular apps are GoRide, which is the object business, and the food delivery business. And those two are just like, I can't live without it. I mean, I've compared it to like Grab Food, and I still choose GoFood every time. It's just the quality of the service. And although the app, Grab's app is actually a lot nicer, but somehow the drivers, the app can be nice, but if the driver is, or the what they call a partner is not as sophisticated from a consumer perspective the one with better partners basically
0: so for the average Indonesian customer, when they access Gojek, they will see all the terms and like, for example, the functions in Bahasa. Am I right to say that? I
1: think by default it's in English. You can customize the, the front page of once you open the app, you know, you can customize to which apps or which services you use the most. They have tons of things. You can, they have GoFood, GoPulsa, which is to buy phone credits. They have GoBills. You can you can pay your bills such as electricity, internet, and stuff like that. have Go Bluebird, which I also use quite often for you to order Bluebird Taxi, which is one of the largest taxi companies here. The funny story is Bluebird Drivers. Two years ago, there was this whole massive demonstration by Bluebird drivers protesting the online transportation business, both Gojek and Grab because basically it kinda of diminished their role in the economy. But now Gojek really neutralized that sh- situation by part with Bluebird so people can order Bluebird directly from Gojek's app. I think that's an amazing move. Really neutralize that issue. Also have Go
0: Massage, you know, to order massage therapist they have Go deals gold I can go all day really but I want you to talk more about that because there are different products and services that Gojek provide for the users I think it feels to me is very similar to an app in China called Meituan Tienping which they call themselves which have just gone public and they're called the Amazon of services is Gojek something like that? yeah and they also invest in Gojek that's interesting I think one interesting thing and actually I want to bring it to the context of Indonesia because a lot of my audience whether they're from the US, China and even the rest of Asia, I think they're not very familiar with Indonesia in terms of transportation. So I actually want to talk a little bit that's actually with Gojek because I know when we talk about ride hailing in Singapore, we know it's taxi cab. But I think in Indonesia, I think it's a combination of motorbikes and cars, right? If I understand it correctly, can you talk a little bit about how the ride hailing service works in Indonesia, for example, in Jakarta and other cities within Indonesia itself? First of all, the public transportation, although not as good
1: as other countries in Southeast Asia, we are getting better. The government is doing a lot of infrastructure building in terms of public transportation. But it still sucks because, you know, Jakarta is one of the, I think it's the number f- four or five, the most, the worst traffic in the world or something. I read it somewhere a few months ago, and it, it is one of the worst. So whenever I go to, when I went to LA or into China and they say, oh, traffic jam is really bad. It's like, dude, you haven't been to Jakarta. This is nothing. To <laughs> trust me I, I think based on that issue a lot of people actually buy uh, motorcycles i have my car at home but for daily activities go to the office i use my motorbike it, usually on a you know normal day it should take me around an hour and 15 minutes to get to the office from my house and if i take my motorbike it's like 30 minutes max. So that, I mean, the kind of efficiency really, it's, for me, it's a no-brainer. I mean, I go to the office using motorbike. I go to meetings and all these places in Jakarta, I use go-ride. Or if it's raining, I'll use go-car. It's very simple. Simply because public transportation is not an option for me because it's always crowded. I'm sure that they'll fix that quite soon, but till then, Gojek <laughs> yeah. will be my thing right now.
0: And I do know that now you can actually take a train from the airport into the city of Jakarta, am I right? Correct. I still take taxi
1: from there to my house because it's every one hour or something like that. So if you're in a rush, yeah, that's not a really good thing. Yeah, you know, you're not in a rush. Go ahead and take the train. It's quite nice, actually.
0: How does Gojek differ from the other ride-hailing apps? I mean... Unfortunately, Uber Southeast Asia is gone. What is this competitive advantage that makes it very difficult for Grab to actually gain a foothold in Indonesia?
1: In terms of the ride right business, it doesn't offer a lot in terms of unique advantage compared to even Uber back then or Grab, besides the promotions and discounts and all that. But I think one of the key points for Gojek is, you know, all these other services. So before, like, I like ordering food online and I like to pay my bills online. It's an amazing thing to have one app to do. Lots and lots of things only in one app. So I'm not sure whether this is a normal thing to do, but one of the things that I personally do every month is my GoPay is usually I refill my GoPay to around 400,000 rupiah, which is now 25 sing dollars. I can survive for like a week with that. But now every month I spend almost 2 million rupiah, which is around 150 dollars. And I use that to to pay for my phone credit, my internet, I shop food, I want to go to the movies movies with my wife. I buy the tickets there. It's nice to have that many options in one app. While in Grab, they have this strong partnership with Ovo, but it's a two separate app. I'm sure that they're going to make it seamless, but it's still two apps still one app too many for me. So I think that is truly the, for me at least, and I think for a lot of other people that, you know, what a lot of people say, you know, when they mention super app, one app to do everything. Gojek is closer to that. One of the things that I'm quite concerned about is that they decided to use different brand names and different apps across the region. Like in Vietnam, they call it, can't remember the name, but it's not Gojek. In that sense, Grab wins. Because you just install one app, the Grab app, and you can travel all over Southeast Asia and still use that one app instead of installing another local app. I'm sure Gojek guys have the reason, but it's not as seamless compared to Grab in that sense. Given
0: Indonesia has the largest population in Southeast Asia, I think it constitutes almost half of the population of Southeast Asia. In fact, more than that, I think. How would be the matchup between Grab and Gojek in Indonesia? And then, of course, if we were to go out of Indonesia, which are the battleground countries you think that both companies will try to win over each other?
1: Yes, in terms of ride and car I think Grab is accelerating quite fast I think a month ago during the Asian Games Grab has this press event uh, announcing that they have finally surpass go car the car service compared to their competitors they're the number one in terms of market share for car but that's self proclaimed uh, they haven't shown us the actual data and actually we did another uh, we did our own research and it's getting close but i think from our own research go car still has the larger market compared to Grab car, But in terms of food, it's not even a close competition. It is something that Grab is you know, struggling in terms of catching up to, to go food. So in that sense, Gojek still wins. And in other market, you know, yesterday, you know, we published a news that Gojek will be entering Singapore with a partnership with Comfort, the, the taxi company Comfort will Grow. I think even in Indonesia, in some cities where Gojek, where, sorry, where the ride, the motorcycle ride is not as popular, like in Bandung, for example. The Bandung, do people they don't use Ojek as much as Jakarta because they have their own motorcycle. It's not as popular in you know in Jakarta. So in that kind of market it doesn't make sense for the right business to, to grow. But in markets like Vietnam it makes sense because everyone you know uses motorcycle there. It's it's not a new thing, but it's how Gojek needs to convince people not to bring their own motorcycle. Instead you just should take Go Vietnam I think that's the the key challenge for Gojek in terms of expanding outside of the country. While in countries like Singapore, of course, the carb is. I suppose it's a lot easier. Where and I think the key of winning the payment market because that's how Gojek wins in Indonesia, right? I think GoPay is amazing. Like that's the one thing that really helped Gojek win Indonesia market. While in other countries such as Singapore, it's not as simple to just come up with one wallet. There's, there's a lot of wallets already. in in countries like Singapore and Thailand and in the Philippines. So that's another challenge for Gojek.
0: I think there's one interesting conversation that comes up in this team that I'm trying to put forward. Because if you look at very big markets like India and China, they have their own local champions and it's actually very difficult for foreign companies to enter into those markets. I mean, if you think about in India, you have Paytm, which is actually almost like a super app very similar to GoJet. And if you think of China, you can think of WeChat, you can think of Meituan DMP, which are very, very powerful super app that can give you every service that you require. In fact, in China, people are almost cashless. This is where I'm going to ask you the tough question. Do you think that Grab, coming from a smaller market I mean, Malaysia and Singapore. Entering into Indonesia is a big challenge. It may be because Indonesia would want to favor its own local champion.
1: Grab will face tough challenge in terms of winning Indonesian market, but not because it's you know not local. One of the thing about Indonesian market is they're very price sensitive. So this is where the, the bloodbath comes in, right? Even back then when Uber was still around, they were throwing discounts and promotions and subsidizing all these prices in, in order to grow their market share and although whenever people ask me about that strategy i always say it's the wrong strategy because then the only way you can win is to be able you know to push the price down which is not healthy for a company but everyone does it apparently even the taco industry does the same thing as well so it's not because of it's not locally made, it's not, it's whoever can subsidize the most, who can subsidize the longest, they will win. Because Indonesia, Indonesian people, like 95% of the people who use ride hailing apps, they have both Grab and Uber uh, and Gojek and see, you know, putting the destination, the same destination and see which one is the efficient price. Which one is the cheapest? That's the one they choose. Although that's not nice, but that's the way it is.
0: That is also the same for places like China, India, where the customers are very price sensitive. So where is going to go? Because I think Grab has very powerful investors, for example, SoftBank, who are also investors to Uber. That's why they managed to do the Uber Southeast Asia deal. But that does not mean Gojek is weak. So I probably have named two of Gojek's investor, which includes Google, Tencent, and I know one of their early investors, NSI Ventures. Can you also talk about who are the key investors behind Gojek?
1: Wow, that's a long list, man. I mean, Gojek has some really serious money behind them. Tencent actually mentioned, Google, yes. And then they have Temasek, don't forget that. <laughs> so Temasek has Gojek and Grab through FedEx. That's also interesting. They also got funded by JD.com. And then this Meituan Dianping that we also talked about earlier. And I think other key investor would be Astra International, which is, well, here, one of their subsidiary is car manufacturer, which is a huge deal for Gojek because Grab also has Toyota and Hyundai. That would be an interesting synergy between the ride-hailing startup and the car manufacturing company. Although it's not the that exact company, it's the the holding company. But still it's it should kinda of tells us the, the strategy moving forward. But you know, we'll see. There would be a Jarum Group, which is a the largest company uh, run by some of the richest people in Indonesia. They own tons of companies, they own banks, they own a cigarette company, they own lots and lots of digital companies as well through their investment arm, the GDP venture. They're very strategic for Gojek in terms of opening for potential acquisitions and the growth strategies. And also, again, they have a bank <laughs> and Gojek, with pay the payment product, have a bank as an investor. I think that's
0: a huge synergy as well. That lies the most interesting part of the conversation, right? Now it is trying to expand across Southeast Asia and you have really alluded that their branding has a little bit of issue. The more deeper question is, will their business model work with the other countries given that Grab already has a strong foothold in some of the other markets? I think the strategy
1: that, Gojek is executing as you know, in Indonesia, the business model has GoPay as the anchor, right? I have a feeling that that's not the case in Vietnam and all these other countries. And that would be very unfortunate, but they're smarter than most of people here in Indonesia. I'm sure they have their reasons in terms of why they use different brands and whether they're going to use that payment infrastructure as as an anchor and their businesses abroad. But I think that's the reason why they won in Indonesia. It's hard to, to imagine they won't use that
0: same strategy outside of Indonesia. If you think about that, Gojek is actually works for Indonesia market. I mean, for markets like Philippines, Thailand, in Southeast Asia, which is, I think, more, much more closer than Indonesia. Whereas Grab is very similar to what I think a developed country product is very good in Singapore. It has some foothold in Malaysia and probably Vietnam as well. Do you see the Gojek model work better in the longer term as a super app as compared to Grab? Because Grab is also moving into the payment space. Because the impression I'm now getting is that it's no longer about right hailing between Gojek and Grab. Actually, what they're both vying for is to be the super app in Southeast Asia. I hear the Grab founders talking about them as a super app, and they're really aggressively doing pay, which is where they're going to attack Gojek with Go-Pay. So, do you see that in that kind of situation, you will set up a different type of war between both Gojek and Grab?
1: Okay. First of all, Pay doesn't work in. Indonesia. So they have to partner. Uh, it's a regulatory issue. So they have to partner a local company, which is Ofo. They share the same investor, which is the Lipo Group. There's a lot of rumors that Grab is acquiring Ofo, but Ofo is a huge company on its own. I think it's going to be more of a merger than of an acquisition, but they have to make that work. That's the, the only way they have to make that work in Indonesia. So Ofo is a, one of the fast-growing companies. They're not even one year old, but very, very large. They have to thousands and thousands of merchants across indonesia and they're very very prominent i think in terms of go pay right even indonesia itself were very fragmented so they have to apply different strategies in different cities in jakarta or in medan or all these other cities i can't imagine other countries would be the same too. You know, I, I imagine Gojek would be... I guess I can understand why they have different brand for each country because it has to be run independently because it's kind of very localized and they don't know the market well. That's why they partner with the local people. Although I can't imagine they will use the different business model but it's not impossible for them to be two separate companies under the same umbrella that is Gojek. i mean Gojek and uh, good App also launched their their venture capital business a few, a few months back they're becoming more like google in terms of they're not stuck with one business model whether that ride hailing or payment or whatever they can gobble up everything they want because they have the money so why
0: not the reason why china companies are so big and so powerful now is because they have the power of market size. I mean, uh, let, let's just be a bit more accurate about what I meant by market size. So if you think about, say, a market like the US, they it's true they have 330 million population, but actually the effective market size, it may be about 200 million. If you think about China, it's something about 1.4 billion people, but actually the effective market size is about 600 million. And for Indonesia, you have probably about almost coming to 300 million at some point, because of your, the fast growth in, in Indonesia, your effective market size would probably, let's assume that Jakarta is already 60 million, you will actually grow. And that growth actually allows Gojek May to have more muscle power over grab, which actually only have strength within a small market. So this is a question that I think is an interesting question in terms of how we think about market size and whether that market size will translate into a different type of advantage for Gojek because Indonesia is not just Jakarta, it's everywhere else as well. Do you see that market size advantage becomes Gojek's eventual play for the whole region?
1: I don't think so. Because again, every, every country, every market is different. And although that works in Jakarta, you know, certain marketing strategy works in Jakarta, it doesn't work in Medan. It doesn't work in Surabaya, it works in other provinces and other areas of the markets as well. I think Gojek is smart enough to see that market size is big, but it's also highly fragmented. And again, it's very early stage, although you know, Indonesia has a large market. But keep in mind that the, the online population is less than 40% of the entire population. So imagine the number doubles in you know, the next four or five years, where, where we would have 80% online population. Gojek has to win that market as well. So I think the next battle will be figuring out what's the next, you know, 100 million online people want as a service. One of the things that Gojek is executing now is financial inclusion using their, their platform, which is GoPay and all these fintech companies. Gojek also invests in a company uh, called Bakhar Forest, I think, which is insurance. And I think it's very interesting as well. I mean that maybe that's you know Gojek has all these data about the merchant and about the user, so I think that's one of the the key thing that they use that kind of data to grow their. Where do you think Gojek will go in
0: the next one to three years from now?
1: <laughs> I actually joke about this with my friends who work with Gojek. Like, I won't be surprised if you launch a bank, and like Go Bank or something, which is a stupid idea. But hey, you know. <laughs> Not that stupid after all. But next thing for them would be the lending business. It's, it's a huge business on its own. They have all these GoFood merchants, and they know how much they make because every order was made through their platform. So they could lend, give you know, give capital to these merchants to further expand their business. Therefore, they can take more orders from Gojek, and that's how they, they make their money from interest or something like that. They have the, this event business they call the entertainment business. They also have this uh, subsidiary called Go Studio. Where they invest in movies and content, and they would give capital to these, you know, filmmakers in exchange for some other things with Go- I can't Camera, the Gothics platform to, to buy tickets online. And they know a lot about their users. They just launched this, that pay later kind of feature where you can pay for something, but you can pay it at the end of the month after you, you know get your salary or something like that. And the only way Gojek can do all these things is because they already have a credit scoring uh, mechanism. And that would be the next big thing for Gojek is, again, this is the Alipay strategy where they know their users and they, they know the every stakeholder in their ecosystem. And now they can basically give them capital and make money on top of that, build a reputation inside the app. Then that's going to be the next big thing for Gojek to execute in the next one or two years. and it's a huge business. That's basically the peer-to-peer lending company, right? And now Gojek has the, all the business in the are dying to get Gojek's data, and now Gojek can launch their own. Or, you know, they have the money,
0: might as well buy one and, you know, execute that. It's going to be a continued battle. Some days I feel that because Alibaba invested in Grab and Tencent invested in Gojek, it feels almost like a proxy war between Alipay and TenPay in Southeast Asia. So, Rama. Many thanks for coming on the show and definitely I'm going to get you back to talk about Tokopedia, Pukalapa and some of the other big unicorns in Indonesia. That'll be fun. Yeah, because I know you know the founders of Tokopedia. So in closing, I will ask two questions. My first question is, can you recommend a book, podcast or anything else that has impact to your work or personal life recently?
1: You mean beside Analyze Asia? Sure. Oh, thank (laughs) you. (laughs) That's a plug for you, man. Well, the two books that has a huge impact for me and Zero to One by Peter Thiel. That book, Zero to One, that's amazing. The hardest part for a startup is to, to start. Again, that has the name Zero to One. My second favorite book would be Hard Things About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. That book kind of highlights his journey as an entrepreneur, as a CEO of numerous companies. It really highlights the struggle and the challenges of running a, a Company from starting up, getting capital, all the way to IPO. It's really awesome.
0: How do my audience find you?
1: So I am, although I don't tweet a lot, but I open it on a regular basis to get information. So you can find me on Twitter. My nickname is Rampok, R-A-M-P-O-K. Don't ask me why. That's just my Twitter handle. And uh, you can also email me at rama
0: at id. And most importantly, for all my Listeners out there, you should go and look at Daily Social because they probably have the most accurate description of Indonesia taxi, which is poised to be the next largest market after China and India. Yeah, thanks for that, man. <laughs> nice plug. <laughs> yes, yeah. and you can find me at Bernard Leong. Google me. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast, and every others. In fact, I'm so glad to announce that we are now on Spotify too. Tweet to me, give me your feedback, and of course, most importantly just always give us a five star on iTunes or a star on Overcast or Pocket Cast. So once again, Rama, many thanks for coming on the show and I'm definitely getting you back again.
1: Thanks, Bernard.
0: Talk to you again
1: soon.